Before we get into this episode, Mike and I want to thank you for being part of this community. We absolutely love what we do with this podcast, and we think it's important to bring you valuable content by exploring unconventional lifestyles, experiences, and perspectives. We are continually looking to improve the listening experience, and we want to bring in some of your favorite guests. We have a favor to ask, and that is if you can follow wherever you watch or listen so we can continue improving the show. We are so grateful for your support. Now let's get into it. What's up, lovebirds? It's Mike and Kenzie coming to you live from the 775. And happy Valentine's Day. Today's episode, we give our mediocre advice and opinions on how we feel about Valentine's Day. Dating apps, if they're ruining the dating culture, helping the dating culture, dating in your 20s, and making it work. But first, we will start with our failing forwards, as always. But this time, we're going to do it a little bit differently. We are going to point the finger at each other and tell each other what we failed at in our relationship. So, do you want the most loving way possible? In the most loving way. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, happy Valentine's Day, first of all. Happy Valentine's Day. Do you feel loved today? Yeah. Now, let me tell you what you've ruined in our relationship. (laughs) Um, I think that one of the biggest failures in our relationship that I've seen you work on as well is letting your feelings get in the way of the moment. And so you get so caught up in whether it's anxiety or frustration or anger that a beautiful moment is no longer fun. You're just like, well, I'm ready for it to be over. And there've been, you know, a handful of trips that we've been on where it's like the entire trip isn't ruined, but I'm one of those where it's like, okay, this moment sucked. Let's move forward. Like I'm a very avoidant personality when it comes to shit like that. So I'd rather deal with it, move on and just have a good time because we're paying money to be there. So like, let's have fun. Right. And I think that you've worked on that a lot. And I've noticed a specific shift. There's a little timeline. I don't know if you want to talk about it, but I think it's related. I can talk about it. All right, go for it. Tell me why. So I feel like my birth control completely changed my mood. Mm -hmm. It was really hard to regulate my emotions with it. And I was on it for the first six years of our relationship. We're almost eight years at this point, seven and a half. And... I noticed a complete shift after getting off of birth control. And I'm no scientist, so I don't know if this is true or not. I don't know chemically if this is true because I feel like nobody talks about it. But I truly feel like my IUD, I was on uh, on the Marina IUD, I feel like it completely lowered my sex drive. It was really hard to regulate anger. And I developed anxiety out of nowhere. And I I did not really have anxiety before. Like the amount of anxiety that I had on my birth control has... You were an anxious person. I, yeah, I would yeah. say I was an anxious person. I do not feel that way now. And it's been a year and a half now being off of birth control, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to like diminish accountability here. Like I can also say that I... I definitely let my mood and my emotions get the best of me. And it was really hard for me to regulate it. And I would, you know, I would project onto you. I would blame everything on you. But being off of it, I feel like it's been easier for me to 
notice my emotions and control it and be like, okay, I'm angry right now or I'm feeling, okay, like I'm feeling the anxious come up, but like I can, I can cut it. Like I can be like, okay. Yeah. You still share it too. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, I'm angry. But I'm not letting it ruin the moment that we're having or the experience or whatever it is. Yeah. And I'm happy to see that shift. Do you know about when women get off birth control and they've been dating somebody for a long time, a lot of the time they're no longer attracted to them at all? I mean, I haven't heard of that, but. Okay. So it's a pheromone thing. Apparently when you're on birth control, chemically it tricks your body into thinking it's pregnant. And so you might match up with somebody while you're currently on birth control that like pheromone wise, you're actually not chemically attracted to. Mm -hmm. And so when you get off, you're like, I'm not into this guy anymore. And that's like a very common practice. And so sometimes this will happen when people are married, Mm. like they'll be married, they're on birth control, they get off. And then all of a sudden they're like, I don't, I can't stand this dude. Like, and it's not a, it's not like a mismatch of personalities. Like you liked the person initially. Yeah. But from a sex drive level, you're like, we're actually not compatible at all. Is that scientifically proven? That's a real thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so like basically your body is convinced you're pregnant during that time. So you might pick somebody who's like a little less masculine, maybe who's a little softer and that personality is a little bit more malleable. Um, And then when you're, you know, actually like have a sex drive and you want to mate. Yeah. Sounds like very animalistic, but. When you're off birth control and your body's like, oh, I'm ready to have a baby. Let's go. Yeah. You're looking for a different type of mate. Mm-hmm. And so like the the common example that I hear is you're on birth control. You find a beta male. You guys get locked in. You're married. Everything's going well. He bends to your will. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, now it's time to have kids. Let's get off birth control. And you realize I don't want to have kids with that guy. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. That ruins a lot of relationships. Well, I'm glad that I met you. When I wasn't on birth control. Did you? Yeah, I wasn't on, I got on birth control when we started dating. That's right. Sorry, I didn't have anything put in me, so my timelines are a little (laughs) different. Literally, I got on birth control because we were dating. That's good. (laughs) Thank goodness. Yeah, so now, now being off of birth control, I can definitely say that I can regulate my emotions a lot more, and I've been, like, actively working on not letting it ruin the moment that we're sharing or not letting it get the best of me and projecting it onto you because I, I noticed that I was doing that so much to the point where it was starting to like ruin us. It was just, yeah, it was just, it was causing kind of a rift in our relationship. Yeah. But it's getting better. Yeah. Gotten a lot better. Now, what have I failed at? (laughs) There's one specific moment that I have in mind (laughs) And it was, I think, a year into dating. And it wasn't on Valentine's Day. I think it was near Christmas. Was it on birth control? Yes. <laughs> it was on birth control. Okay. Um, but you had given me a toothbrush as a Christmas present. The toothbrush incident. And that, to me, I remember opening up the gift and I was like so excited. I, it was, uh, I think it was like one of the first gifts that we were going to give each other. Like our first Christmas together, essentially. Like we weren't spending it together, but it was our first Christmas exchange. Mm-hmm. And you had decided to give me a toothbrush, PJs, basically like this overnight kit. I think you even put shampoo in there. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oops. Like I remember being, I, I was, I was 
shocked with disappointment. Yeah. Like I, the first thing that I had pulled out was the toothbrush and I was like, what the fuck? Like, and I was so excited. I was so excited to receive a gift from you because for me, if you don't know me or if you're getting to know me, I love gift giving. It's, I, I think it's, it's not the superficial surface level reason. Like I think, I think it kind of gets a bad rap gift giving as a love language. But for me, the reason why I love it so much is because there's so much thought in curating something for somebody Mm -hmm. and you think about, oh, they would really enjoy this or they really like this. And it's the creativity that goes behind it. Like I genuinely love that. Or even if it's just like, oh, I I think this person will like it because they had said something in the past about this certain item, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's, it's just, there's thought behind it when there's no thought behind it. It's like, what the fuck is this gift? Right? Well, so at the time when I had pulled out the toothbrush, I was like, do I have bad breath? Like, what the fuck is this? And then I pull out the PJs and I'm like, I am confused. And the shampoo. And the shampoo. I'm like, what is happening here? So do you want to explain why you were giving me that gift? Yeah. Honestly, that was a sweet moment that went sour. I was, I think, 20. Uh, This was my second longest relationship in my life. And in my mind, it was like a symbolic gift. It was not the fact that I was giving you PJs and a toothbrush. I don't, know, I don't even know what else. The shampoo could have been made up at this point. It doesn't matter because <laughs> the disappointment is what you got as a gift. Yes. But the purpose behind that was as a 20-year-old saying, hey, you have a spot in my life. Mm-hmm. Like in the morning, if you spend the night, I don't want you to have to run home to go brush your teeth. Yeah. Like spend the night. Here's some jammies. All right. You've got little toothbrush action. You can stay here and we right. spend time. Right. That wasn't communicated. And also that gift probably should not have been given on Christmas. Yeah. Um, definitely terrible gift, terrible timing. That could have been like on any given Wednesday. Just, hey, here you go. And I think at the time you didn't explain that to me. I think later yeah. down the line when I had brought that up, because that had always been like, we didn't talk about that right away. I wasn't like, this is the worst gift ever. Why'd you do that? Pretty, pretty it, soon after. <laughs> No, I don't think so. Oh, well, I don't, the disappointment was very The disappointment very ling- lingered for a while. Like, it was days after, and I was like, I feel like I put so much thought into his gift, and, like, this is what he gave me. But later down the road, when you explained it to me, I was like, oh, like, I mean, that is really thoughtful, and that is not really sweet. Not for a sweet. Christmas gift. But I, exactly. Gift. Not for a Christmas gift. I think that... You could have chosen any other time to give me that stuff, but I think for a Christmas gift, it was just not ideal and wrong timing. But since then, you have been very thoughtful with your gifts. You've been very generous with your gifts, and I've been very appreciative of it. But I think for me, it's just with gift giving, it's just the thought that goes behind it. We failed forward because we're still here. Exactly. So getting into our first topic, Valentine's Day. How do we feel about it? What's our hot take? Valentine's Day is commercialized bullshit, but if you are in a loveless marriage, (laughs) you have nothing going on, you haven't kissed your wife in a year, you guys don't say I love you, just live together in your roommates, you need something like Valentine's Day. Isn't that horrible? Yeah, and some people live in that. But point being, I think that Valentine's Day is symbolically a day of love. It's supposed to be where you make intentional time, you check in, you're like, hey, how are we doing? Mm -hmm. It's to celebrate us. Not me celebrating you. That's what your birthday's for. 
but to celebrate us. It's back and forth. So I think Valentine's Day definitely can be very loving, very thoughtful. Mm-hmm. It can be a really intentional holiday, but I think for me, I just have like not cared about Valentine's Day at all. Well, we do little things because part of it is like Valentine's Day always falls in the middle of the week. Not always, but I don't remember the last time a Valentine's Day was on a weekend. Yeah. So this year it's on Wednesday. Last year was on Tuesday, I'm pretty sure. Like those those days are not good days like, oh, let's go do something fun. Mm-hmm. We're not traveling for Valentine's Day. So it's, I don't know what, you spend a bunch of money on an overpriced dinner. You get mediocre service. Right. You get dessert. And then you go back and you have sloppy fart sex. Is that <laughs> that meal is so heavy and you're like, oh, should we even do this? And it's like, it's Valentine's Day. We have to. <laughs> we have to. <laughs> oh, that is quite the visual. I think everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about, though. When you have a heavy meal and you're like, should we get it on? It's like, mm. I just hate the pressure that Valentine's Day has. Mm-hmm. And honestly, any holiday, like even my birthday. You know, I just like, I hate the pressure that's there. I just want it to like organically just be a loving day. I want it organically Mm -hmm. to, you know, for, you know, me not to ask anything of you, you not to ask anything of me. It's just, we want to do it for each other. Yeah. I think that's what dating is. (laughs) Seriously though. Like that's, we've been together for seven and a half years. We go on date nights. We don't go frequently enough in my opinion, because I love date nights, but. I just love spending time with you and making intentional time. And I think that's what Valentine's Day should be about. Yeah. But when you let these commercialized vultures get in there and they tell you, you got to buy the rings, you got to buy the necklaces and the flowers and the candy, do that on a day that's not Valentine's Day and give them a toothbrush. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> it's, it really is. It's that toothbrush. Like, oh, you got me flowers on a day that you're supposed to because they said you were supposed to. I also feel like Valentine's Day now has transitioned to glorifying single people make it all about themselves i don't even know if that's the right word glorifying but i just feel like there's so much attention on single people on valentine's day and it's the hatred that they have towards it or like oh we're gonna it's galentine's day these unsufferable or insufferable women just gathering together (laughs) being obnoxious and cackling you know they cackle (laughs) it's galentine's day (laughs) it's the worst there's a reason they're single yeah. Yuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to hate on single people at all. That's not what I'm saying. It's just, I just feel like Valentine's Day now is about single people, which is really interesting. It's all those people that are girl bossing. Maybe they're girl bossing a little too hard because they're still single on Valentine's Day. Yeah, that's a reality. It's not a bad thing. And speaking of single people, um, we can talk about the dating culture mm. and how dating apps are ruining dating culture and that's why we still have so many single people out there yeah well do you think that dating apps are ruining dating because that's kind of their purpose right i feel like date okay full disclosure Mm -hmm. i haven't ever used a dating app whoa never never i swear to god you don't ever believe me when i say this Mm -hmm. because i have that's why i I know that you have i have not okay I have downloaded Tinder. Mm-hmm. Not for me, though. It was for my roommate. And I know, like, I, if I had used a dating app, I would tell, the, tell you that I have used a no dating app. There would be no reason to, like, mislead or lie about it. Right. Like, you're not cheating at all. No, no, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it just comes as such a surprise. 
Why is it such a surprise, though? Like, when dating you apps came out, it was, like, our senior year in high school when they came out, right? I'm going to be vulnerable and honest about why it's a surprise. <laughs> 18-year-old Mike was horny and ready for love, all right? Not a relationship, but I wanted to meet some ladies. And dating apps literally expose you to hot young singles in your area. Like, <laughs> otherwise... I don't know, you have to go out and socialize. Like, Young singles. Let's be realistic. Okay, right. I wanted to have sex. So at 18, I download Tinder, and I'm not going to meet half of these people within a 40-mile radius. <laughs> like what, you walk up to somebody in Trader Joe's like, you want to get out of here? No, that's creepy. Right. But you swipe on somebody, and they swiped on you, and it goes, it's a match. You're like, oh, you think I'm hot? I think you're hot. We can, let's move all that shit out of the side. You want to go on a date? And you get to talk with them. Now- but in the back of your head, I need to know this. Sex. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's dating. What's the point of f- pursuing somebody? Because I think, I think what the dating apps, like from what you're saying, mm-hmm. is if you get that match, there's no, like, there, there's none of this social experiment that's happening where you're like, does he like me? Does he not like me? Like there's none of that social interaction happening beforehand. You know immediately, oh, he does like me. So it takes that beginning, I'm just going to call it like social foreplay out of it Mm -hmm. because you don't, you immediately know. So now it's like, oh, they do like me. They want to fuck. Like now you're on the date and that's, it seems like that's all that you would think about. Right? Like I feel- Real quick, though, one date off Tinder, and it did not end in sex. So that was disappointing. Okay. But it you was You know awkward. how you just said, you know how you just said, okay, I went on one date, full disclosure, one date. Yeah. And I'm telling you, like, I downloaded it once, but it was for my friend for whatever reason. I don't remember what the reason was. I think that she was trying to see if her significant other was on that app. Yeah. I actually think, I didn't, I don't even think I downloaded Tinder. I think I downloaded Grindr. I... This was the story. Yeah. Tell the story. We don't have to name names. We don't have to name names, but we thought that I had a friend. She was dating a dude that was maybe heterosexual. No, I mean, he was heterosexual. He was maybe homosexual. He fancied himself some penis. (laughs) And we didn't know if he was on Grindr. And so we had downloaded that app on my phone because she didn't want him to see it on her phone. Reasonable. But hold on. Why would she worry about him being on Grindr unless she had already seen it? I feel like that's what the concern was. I think someone else had said that he that they saw him on Grindr. A friend went, Hey, yes. I think your man's is Yes. Okay. I think that's what, what okay. the situation that makes was. A lot more sense. Yeah. All that to say I have never utilized the dating app to actually date someone or have sex with someone. Mm -hmm. And at the time when the dating apps had all come out, I was like talking to people like in person, like not obviously like not exclusive, but I had. Right. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) back to the point, I think that dating apps are ruining dating. Yes. You were totally right. Nail on the head about taking the social foreplay out the, is she, is she not? The flirtatiousness, yeah. like all of that. It's like the the work mm-hmm. that goes into finding out if they like you or not. You know, peacocking a little bit. Yeah. You know, being vulnerable in the beginning. Like all of that got taken out mm-hmm. through dating apps. Now it's just like 
this is how I think about dating apps because I've been off of them now for eight years. Okay. It's a long Yeah, time. it is a long time. I'm out of the game. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, and uh, again, full disclosure, like mediocre advice coming yeah. in because we – don't have the actual experience, but this is what we're seeing with friends that are on dating apps. This, okay, is, this what is what all we're hearsay. Yeah, this is, is <laughs> it's I all hear hearsay. My friends say that you know they're not having luck on the dating apps. Yeah. Like, oh, they don't work, and I'm like, well, are you just ugly? Which is a little harsh, but there's the other side of this. Top ten percent, very attractive people are going to get most of the matches. Everybody's going to swipe on the hot person unless you're into ugly people. Or you have such low self-esteem that you know what your category is. And you're like, I'm I'm not going to be there. Right. So I should probably shoot in my range. The problem is, and I think with social media and dating apps together, we have this like personified version of beauty. And we mm-hmm. think that, you know, maybe we hold ourselves a little bit higher than we should. I think pre-social media and pre-dating apps, a lot it's of ugly clear. people were married. And they had ugly kids, and those ugly kids would find other ugly kids, and they'd make babies, and like everybody kind of stays within their hierarchy. But you see social media come out, and now it's like, oh, there's this beautiful person that's 10,000 miles away, but they're out there, and we're interacting. Or you're on something like Tinder, and your settings are like 100 miles, okay? Mm-hmm. Your dating pool, from what was a 5, 10-mile radius in a small town, mm-hmm. you know, 40, 50, 60 years ago is now expanded to 100 miles on one dating app. But on social media, it could be across the country. It could be across the world. And so people think they have more options than they do. Mm. Like that is ruining dating. When you think you have more options than you do, you're going to pass up what's actually available to you. Or you might totally like, you go on one date, a guy just wasn't that funny. Maybe you had an awkward interaction like pre-dating apps, right. those awkward interactions, you had to push through them a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's and so true. You don't have to put up with shit anymore. You're like, oh, that sucked. Next. Yeah, I I didn't even think about like having more options. I was more thinking on the lines of like, let's just say you're like you're a four. Mm-hmm. A hard four. <laughs> I'm just going to say you're a four. Yeah. And you see a bunch of eights. Mm-hmm. And you're like you see so much of them on social media and that's like all that you're following is eights and you think you deserve an eight, but you're a four. Yeah. So. And your friends lie to you and say you're a 10. Right. Exactly. Which happens. Right. But then you think that you deserve an eight Mm -hmm. when you're really a four. This may be super shallow of me to say, I don't really know, but I, I feel like there, there has to be some truth to this. Like physical attraction is I think the first thing that happens yeah. when you're in a social setting, right? And then you get to know their personality. Yeah. So that's why I'm I'm you know saying the four and the eight, and I'm doing that skill. Just so. I think everybody understands, and the people who want to well, bitch I about just, that are lying to. Well, them. yeah, I just I just wanted yeah. to like just disclose that I guess. I got you. But you're a four. You think you deserve an eight, and so you're only swiping on eights, mm-hmm. right? And you're that's getting like, no matches. And you're getting no matches. So it's like, but what if like. What if you are a four and like you and like so I I think it's like you don't know what you have to work on. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you're not taking care of yourself physically. Like maybe you have a great personality, but like maybe you truly are not taking care of yourself physically to be set up to an eight. And so they're they're only swiping on these eights. They're like, oh, yes, yes, yes. And then they get depressed because no one's no one's matching with them. And suddenly the dating apps don't work. Right. 
Point proven. <laughs> I rest my case. I don't know. That was like a long-winded answer. But yeah, I think that there's multiple things happening with the dating apps and how it's affecting our culture. But I also think it's affecting us socially. Mm-hmm. And that's just with any online shit that's going on. Like that's social media. Well, speaking of social media, one of the things that attracted me to you was that you're not out there advertising all that ass. Mm-hmm. It is gross that I see, and let me let me rephrase a couple things. I don't want to get misconstrued here. Somebody's going to post a thirst trap. They know they look hot. They're getting attention. It's purposeful. Right. It's not, look at how much I love myself. It's, look at how much people love my butt. Okay? Mm-hmm. Everybody likes it. Can't lie. You see a hot body, you go, nice. <laughs> you don't have to like it. Right? <laughs> Guys, you're in a long-term relationship. Don't like it. You go, oh, nice. And you keep scrolling. It's disrespectful if you're just like, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Double tap. Yeah. But people in relationships, specifically women, maybe married women too, post thirst traps sometimes. Mm-hmm. You don't do that. That's literally what I found so attractive because I was like, you have this air of mystery to you where you're fun, you're outdoorsy, you advertise that, but you're not advertising what you're hiding under all this. Mm-hmm. And there's like a level of privacy. It feels more intimate, more personal. Not to say, like, you're mine or anything like that, but that's mm-hmm. how it feels. It's like, ah, we we are each other's. Yeah. When, if you were doing that, it feels like you're advertising to other men mm-hmm. so that in case this doesn't work out, you've got a couple on the roster. Yeah. And that's how I see it. When I see people posting thirst traps, men and women, and they're in relationships, like, yes, there are photos where you look good in, but at the same time, you're you're putting little, like, feelers and trollers out there, like... Just in case. Right. DMs. I won't answer them yet. Yeah. Like, I see that. I think there's both sides, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that, because I see you do this, too, where you'll post, like, a shirtless photo or video of you, of you, when we moved to Reno, you posted, like, a shirtless photo of you, like, carrying weight up yeah. the mountain. Yeah. Right? I have no... Somebody's wor- going to look at my social and they're going to see that's gone. And I'm going to look like such an asshole because I was like, that's gay. And I deleted it. You did delete it? I'm pretty sure. I'm oh, I going did. to after saying that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On. But that's, but what I'm saying is that I think there's both sides where like you do think you're hot mm-hmm. and you want to show off your body. And I think that's completely okay. Like, yeah, if you're intentionally posting like, you know, you love your body, whatever. But I think like when you hide it behind, oh, look at this beautiful sunset and my ass. Mm-hmm. And it's more of like. I don't even know how to explain it. Gosh, the words the are... And the moon in the same picture. It does not work. <laughs> I just, I think that, I, I do think that there are people that are intentionally posting because they're like, I know I'm hot mm-hmm. and I'm going to post this. And then there is like a disrespectful post where you're just like, okay, I'm posting myself in like lingerie or I'm posting mm-hmm. like a really like sexy photo of myself where I know a bunch of guys are going to like this. That's it, it. There is a line. I think there is a line to posting, and like people may not say that, like, oh, post whatever. No, I think that there's respect and there's disrespect when it comes to posting. And I feel like, you know, for you, if you're posting like your workout videos and you shirtless or like, oh, you know, the carnivore diet, like you would do that all the time. I don't mind that at all. Like, I'm I'm super proud of you, and like, I think, I think that you're hot. The intention behind right. it, right? Yeah, and that's the difference. exactly the intention. But there are girls out there that, you know, they're. They're post and guys, mm-hmm. they're posting 
I would say provocative photos. Like I'm just going to say it because I have a lack of better words, but provocative photos. And, but their intention is like, I know I look hot and that's why they're posting it. And it can be as simple as that. And then there's others where it's like, oh, it's a sunset photo, but it's like, but oh, oh, come on. It's not a sunset photo. I'm really looking at the sunset. It's beautiful. Right. Like That's why I'm liking it. Yeah. And so I think that there's, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it can go both ways. I heard somebody on a podcast say that women have rosters, and I know men do too. It goes both ways. When it comes to a relationship, if you want it to work out, it can't be one foot in, one foot out, and banking on if this doesn't work out, I've got somebody on the back burner. Because if that's the case, I think that's the point of like what sexy photos are. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that's kind of what it's doing is – this person liked it. They're kind of hot. This person like, okay, I got some options just in case. Right. Like that's how I see those photos is mm-hmm. like you're building your roster. And I think that women have a more, a wider roster availability than men do mm-hmm. because it's very creepy in my opinion for like men to put that shit up. Cause you're going to get a lot of gay dudes like <laughs> thirsting under you instead of women. It's not going to be like, Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Or it's going to be me in that voice instead of like a chick. Mm-hmm. So no, I think that it's obviously between you and your partner. Like, mm-hmm. I do think that that should be a conversation because I have social media is so much a part of our lives, and especially like what we're representing on our pages. Like, I think even married couples who have kids, they probably have to talk about should we post our kids online. Mm-hmm. So I think that there is, I think it's worth the conversation for sure because you don't know how it's making your person feel when you are posting that, you know posting those types of pictures i wonder how frequently like have you ever heard somebody say like oh my boyfriend doesn't like when i post this or he doesn't want me to post something like that yes so initially my mind goes to like that's a controlling significant other yeah and i don't think about the example that we were just talking about like sexy photos but it makes more sense why somebody would be upset if you were posting shit like that and like hey i don't like when you do that but you should have the wherewithal and discretion, not let somebody else tell you, hey, don't do that. Yeah, I think like you don't want to do that because, again, like we talked about, it's like, why are you posting that picture? Like, what is the intent of that? Like, if you are literally posting a picture of like your ass is out, your tits are out, like you're half naked, basically, that in a way I feel like is inviting other dudes to see a part of you that maybe would be more private in your relationship or maybe your relationship is like yeah we both like being naked in front of everybody and we both like being like again it it really is up to the individuals and the in the relationship that you're in mm-hmm. i think for us like that is a sense of like a little bit of privacy like with us that i wouldn't want my like i wouldn't want random dudes like seeing me in that in that pose or in that yeah. type of photo yeah that's why it's just different. It's just like attention for me. I think it's like I don't really like that type of attention. I want from your strangers. Attention. Yeah, I want your attention. So it's like I just I think that it's a conversation that needs to be had with the person that you're in the relationship with. Yeah, a little bit about dating in our twenties. There's a lot of expectations from family, from friends, mainly because we've been together for so long, but also at the stage of life that we're at. Right. Yeah. We started dating when we were 19. I don't expect us to get married in two years' time. If we started dating at this point, do you think that would be much more of a conversation of, like, we should probably talk about Oh, yeah. Definitely. Because it feels like we're at that stage in our relationship now. Right. 
but we've been together for seven and a half years. Yeah. So. And everybody's timeline is different too, but yeah, we met when we were 19. We were going through school together. We went through post-grad life and not having a plan together. Mm-hmm. And then we went into moving in together stage and COVID and, you know, getting like our first long-term real jobs. Like we have been, we've gone through long distance and then back together and then long distance again. Like I feel like we've definitely had our relationship tested. I feel like it's been hammered into iron from all of those tests. Yeah. And I think we're, we're still, and obviously we're still going through it, but I think the, the thing that's bothered me is the expectation of marriage of like, oh, well you guys have been dating so long. Like, why aren't you married yet? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, we just met when we were so young. And so I, I still feel very young. Like marriage just seems like, like I feel so, I have felt so committed to you since the beginning of our relationship. Same here. And I don't necessarily feel like when I think about marriage, I think about, Oh my gosh. Okay. Then comes the wedding and then comes like a ceremony and a honeymoon and like all of these expenses Mm -hmm. right now that I feel like I'm not ready for that. It doesn't mean I'm not ready for a life with you, but it's like, I really want to make our wedding special and memorable. And I would like to have all of our family and our friends there to witness that and to celebrate us together. So I don't feel like I want to get married right this second, right now. Mm -hmm. But in a year's time, when maybe we've saved up even a little bit more money, yeah, then I would. But I think this pressure that I have felt in our entire relationship from friends and family has been extremely annoying because I'm like, let us be. You know, like, leave me alone. Like, I want to do the things that I want to do. And yes, people can ask their questions and it's it's a fair ask. We have been together for a while. I'm not annoyed by that. But I think it's just the pressure of like, or maybe not the pressure, but the judgment that we should already be married. And that part I can't stand. Because I'm like, it's our relationship. Like, let us do, like, we're not bothering you by doing whatever we want to do. There's There's an expectation with this level of, or I guess this long-term relationship where it's like, why aren't you guys married yet? Yeah. And being totally honest and vulnerable, like I've got to cancel some debt. I need to make more money. Coming to the table, like a man is supposed to provide and protect and also love and be like your spiritual protector, all of these different things. And there are certain benchmarks that I'm not hitting yet where being your husband does not feel worthy. Mm-hmm. Like I know that emotionally, I'm already bonded to you. Mm-hmm. Spiritually, I'm bonded to you. We are together. There's no question about yeah. that. But the legal relationship in the eyes of the government, because it's not in the eyes of God. This is a man-made document we're signing. Now you get my last name and we can be on each other's benefits. Mm-hmm. Yay. Right. <laughs> but the actual like meaning behind marriage, I think that for me to be a provider, I'm okay being a protector. But being a provider, I'm not there yet. And so financially, it does not feel right to join our finances, bring in my debt, bring in my not enough money. Like that is not the right timing. So things are changing. I'm looking forward to those changes and we're working on it. But yeah, and I think that somebody could even question and be like, well, that's, you know, that's what marriage is, is for better or for worse, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you don't feel like you're at your best right now, but you know that you love that person, like, why are you not getting married? You know, 
Because, like, at the same time, like, a lot of people who have gone into marriage do go into debt. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's it's not, you know, it's school debt, it's credit card debt, it's car debt, whatever it is. Like, they go into debt because for better or for worse, you're going to make that work because you love that person. But I think for us, like, again, like, this is just what we're going through. This is, like, our – I mean, obviously, like, if we were to get married, like, I wouldn't care that you – like, I don't care that you have debt, to be completely honest. Like, I'd be like, let me let me pay it off. Like, I really don't care. Well, you know what I mean? It's also not like a hundred grand. Right. It's yeah. not a hundred grand. It's like, it's it it's very little. But I think where I'm coming from is it's more than, you know, those are your reasons. But I think like, even for my reasons, you know, I, I want to have a very celebratory event and I want it to be special. And I, I, you know, that does come with like saving a little bit of money for it and like having those conversations with family of like you know, are certain family members not going to be invited or are, is everyone going to be invited? Like, what does that look like? Like, how do we make this for us the way that we want it to? And that pressure, like there is just so much around that. And I'm like, I'm just not there yet. Like mentally. Some people, they want to just get married. Like that is what they want. But the bond that you have with that person is so fucking important before you sign legal papers. Cause that's what it is. Yeah. Like, unfortunately, it's this relationship recognized by the government. The relationship that we have very, like, spiritually bonded, your family and my family, it's very blended. We are together. Yeah. There's no question about that. Right. It's not a question of commitment. So I think to to put so much pressure on a wedding is really a public display for others at that point. Mm-hmm. I want it to be about us. Well, yeah, I also want it to be accountability for like our friends and family to witness us coming together because for marriage for me is like we are committed. Like I already feel committed to you for a lifetime, but like when you are putting legal documents in place and like then you're bringing kids into the world together, like I do feel like I want to be held accountable too with our friends and family. Like I want them to support us during really hard times like if we are feeling like oh my gosh like obviously like I think infidelity is completely separate like I think that is a completely separate reason of like why people get divorced I'm not including that Mm -hmm. not to say like I obviously don't think you would ever cheat on me I'm not going to cheat on you like anything like that I'm just saying that when we are in really low places I want friends and family to have been at that wedding and to have seen the commitment that we are making towards each other and to be like, I want to help support you guys through this mm-hmm. to get us better on, you know, cause like, I do think it takes a village as well. Like obviously a relationship is between you and that person. But I also think when we're really low, it's like, you need, you need support. Yeah. You know, when you can't go to your partner anymore and talk, you need to it. have somebody to go to like, my yeah. God, like you need to have a family member, a friend, like you need to have, a, have someone that you can confide in mm-hmm. and be like, this is, this is something that's going on. Like, what do I do? Like seeking, I mean, it doesn't need to be from everybody that's at the wedding, but I do think like you need that support system. Mm-hmm. And with that support system, I forget where I read this, but it was also, you got to seek those answers and that kind of counsel from people that are very successful in it because you don't go to somebody who's terrible with money and ask them about investing advice. Yeah. You wouldn't go to somebody who has been divorced five times (laughs) for marriage advice. Right. You'd go there for divorce advice. But at that point, like everybody who's going to that wedding probably has gift receipts. They're ready to return. Yeah. Just in case. 
So you got to pick and choose your counsel for those people. It's not like, oh, you were at my wedding and I respect your opinion. Like, I think it's more I just want people to see like we are making a commitment to each other. And I would just hope like that they would also hold us accountable to each other to like continue it rather than being like, yeah, fuck that. Fuck him. Like, oh, he's he's doing that to you. Like, fuck him. Rather than it being like, well, like, let me support you in this. Like, I'm obviously going to be here for you emotionally, but let me see how I can encourage you to want to work on that with Mike. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I totally know like, what you mean, because I've. I've literally talked with some of my friends before when we've been at low points in a relationship and they provide advice where it's not like Kenzie's in the wrong. It's usually holding me accountable Mm -hmm. and going like, dude, you are totally off the mark. Yeah. So it's being able to have those types of relationships with people too, where you're like, Hey, this is very private, very personal. It's something that I need to work through. Yeah. And I just get your insight on it. Right. Cause it's, I don't think I've ever taken somebody's, advice towards our relationship that's always been guided no by, I, think I think that that right. should be between you and the person right. like I think if you are constantly seeking advice from other people on how to operate your relationship that is number one red flag to me in the relationship like you need to be able to go to your person and communicate with your person of like this is what here. yeah you have to be like I'm I'm feeling insecure right now and like Wanting to work on it, you have to have open communication when things are wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't think bringing in other people when things are, um, okay. No, I know what you're, I'm on that same path. Okay. Like, I, I think with every, like, I think if you're just talking shit to other people about your partner, that's not good at all. Yeah. I think if it's something where, like, divorce is on the line and it's like, holy shit, I do need to talk to somebody about this, like, that's where I think that you need to bring in people that you love and respect and like support your relationship to help you through that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that in terms of just like, you know, if it's like daily little conflicts that you're having with each other, or like little, a little tiff. like a little tiff or fights or whatever, I don't think every fight you need to bring in somebody right. from the outside. I think you have to be able to work on that with your, with your partner. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of complexities to it. And Every relationship is different. Yeah. We're talking about it from our perspective. That's why it's, you know, mediocre advice. Yeah, exactly. It's just this what is... works for us. Right. It's what, exactly. Yeah. Um, one of the more difficult things about dating in our 20s is managing the holidays. Mm-hmm. Holidays are always stressful for me. I never relax around them. I'm kind of a mess. Yeah. And part of it is like with a divorced family, it's already splitting time, right? It was, oh, I'm at mom's this holiday. And I'm at dad's this holiday. Mm -hmm. And then both my parents move across the country. They're divorced. They go one way, goes another. And now you're brought into my picture. And it's picking, do we spend time with your family? Do we spend time with my family? Which side of my family are we spending time with? Right. And it creates this huge shitstorm. So I feel like there is a conversation that you and I have had this last season. But in general, it should be more common for people in a similar situation where you're splitting time between families of like either established specific holidays where you're going because there's a family tradition and you don't want to miss out or you know do we split time where you go see your side i go see my side and we reconvene right like i don't like the idea of not spending the holidays with you yeah you're like the one person that i care about like (laughs) I want to be there on Christmas. I want to be there on New Year's. I want to be there on Thanksgiving. Because you're the person that I plan on spending the rest of my life with. Right, right. And everybody else is awesome and I love them. 
Yeah. I'm so thankful that we're surrounded by love and people want us to be with them because mm-hmm. that's really beautiful. I'm yeah. thankful for that. This is a little cover my ass conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, but God, is it so fucking stressful. It, it doesn't yeah. have to be. No, it really doesn't have to be. And I think there's a lot of pressure of like, you know, oh, I would love to see you more. And oh, we'd love to be with you. And it's like, no, I gen- like I want to be with you too. But I think it's also understanding the circumstance of like where we're like our position, mm-hmm. like a lot of people and like, wow, what a great position to be in. Yeah. Like, honestly, like we are, I, I feel very loved by my family and by your family. Like, I think that we have a lot of people that want to spend time with us and it's amazing but holy shit, is it stressful? Like you, you, it feels like you have to just pick and choose and then you're disappointing someone. But I think at the end of the day, like how I view it is like, someone's going to be disappointed. Somebody's going to be upset. And that's just the way that it goes, you know? And my presence does not, or my lack of presence does not ruin the holiday. Yeah. Like Christmas doesn't happen because Mike's there and Christmas still happens because Mike's not there. Right. Like it's okay. Yeah, but I think for anyone that is interested to see how we've done it in the past, I think at the beginning of our relationship, it was separate. Like, we were spending Christmas and Thanksgiving. We were doing that separately for probably, like, the first two or three years. I think the first two, because after that, I was pretty locked in with your parents. Yeah. So, and and then then it was Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. Yeah, and and then I think, like, as our relationship has gone on, you have definitely spent more Christmases with me than I have spent with your family. Because you guys also have like a specific tradition. Yes. And mine bounces, you know, might be at aunt's house, might be yeah. at grandparents' house, might be at other grandparents' house. Right. So it's bouncing constantly. Right. And that's very difficult to maintain. And then also just like when your family has certain traditions and we're like, sorry, we're not going anymore. Like that's disappointing. Yeah. Especially when you look forward to that and you're used to it. Totally. And I don't see my family like my extended family, I guess, super often during the year. So like for me, it's really special to see them on that holiday because it's like everybody's getting together and I really do love it. Like I love seeing everybody. Like we've just dealt with it so much over the last seven and a half years and we'll continue to deal with it. But it's how we like go into the holiday season and set expectations. That was the biggest thing and biggest. We had a huge learning lesson this last holiday season and the the advice again unsolicited mediocre advice is call your family members mm-hmm. communicate. Um, communicate like i think that you know people i think what i notice is like people just maybe didn't know that they felt loved by me and so it's maybe me making a little bit more intentional time calling them and also it's a two-way street so you got to call me too like if you want to spend time with me and you want to hang out with me like you got to you got to put intentional time as well. Call me, beat me if you want to reach me. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do think that um, something that we learned that we can do going forward is we can celebrate the holiday not on that day with other family members too. Yes. Like, you know, your, your dad lives in North Carolina. Your mom lives in Idaho. My family's in California. So I think there is a certain point where you can say, okay, we're going to spend Christmas but it's not going to be on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, going and that's going to have to be okay. Day. That's literally what we do with our anniversary already. Yeah, exactly. We got to celebrate on another day. It's just a day. Yeah. And it's literally, it comes from communicate and set expectations, which yep. I failed to do this this time around. Right. And that's what caused a little shit storm and some drama. Yeah. But thankfully, I feel like most of the people involved have now moved forward and are like, yeah, just fucking 
pick up the phone. Yeah. I didn't want to at the time. Right. So lessons learned. Um, kind of want to round this out. I do have a couple more things to get into with you, but we can keep it relatively short. One is with us being together for so long, I have found when we moved in that it was incredibly important that as we grow together, we also maintain our individuality Mm -hmm. and develop as two different people. Yeah. Because anytime you spend an extended amount of time around anyone, you inevitably take on some of their personality. Right. Definitely. And like, (laughs) yeah, you, you have, I have, you have softened me as a man in a good way and a bad way. Okay. Uh, Don't worry. I'm not emasculated or anything, but like, I am a much kinder person because of you. And I think that as much time as we spend together, it's important that I maintain who I am and you maintain who you are because that's a person who you fell in love with. Mm -hmm. And yes, our personalities will grow and evolve and change, but we still have to be ourselves. Yeah. So when you think about something like that, what do you do for yourself that, you know, you're doing your own growth, you're investing into yourself, your independence, and what makes you you so that we can separate and still be strong individuals. Yeah, I feel like I want to start this off by saying I did feel lost in our relationship. And I felt like you were more of an individual than I was. I felt like I started taking on a little bit more of your traits. And I just felt like, who am I? Like we were spending so much time together. Mm-hmm. And there was at one point where I was like, I don't even know what I like I don't even like you took over my Spotify I like didn't even know the music that I liked listening to anymore because we were combining like certain things together um and it honestly happened when we moved in where I felt like okay you're pursuing jujitsu and um you love like painting and like I just I felt like I knew who you were but I wanted to keep learning who I was And so when you started being very strict with like your commitment to fitness and all that kind of stuff, I was like, well, I obviously am really interested in fitness, but I don't want to just keep going to the gym with you. And like, again, that's another thing that we do together. Like I have to, I have to do, I have to work out separately. Like I just, I need something that is separate. You need your own time. Right. I need my own time. And like, I have always loved working out. Like in general, I loved fitness, but I didn't really feel like I loved going to the gym. And I got super into CrossFit. Like it was just a, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go try it. I know that you're not going to be super into it, but I'm going to go by myself and I'm going to try it. And that was really big for me because I felt like I had always started like, you know, at this point we're four years into the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Four years into the relationship. I feel like I had relied on you so much, just trying new things. And we have been doing so much together that, me going to a CrossFit class by myself felt a little scary. And I was like, oh gosh, like, you know, how am I going to interact with these people? How am I going to work out? Like I had been working out with you for so long. Anyway, I show up and I fucking love it. Mm -hmm. And that was literally the start of my individuality in this relationship. I felt. I don't think so, but I think it was a restart of it because you would. That's a good point. Okay. Yeah. It would be, be, (laughs) it would be a restart and maybe it's like a rebirth of who Kenzie is. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's allowing myself to also explore things that I like and try new things and be, and being confident showing up by myself because a lot of single people actually have to do that. And I don't think 
like this is this is really interesting because I feel like we do have a lot of single friends that have talked about actually getting more comfortable being alone and by themselves. And I have felt the exact opposite. I actually hate being alone. And I feel like I, you know, I literally like just the other day when I was home by myself for like 30 minutes, quick change, someone knocks on the door and I'm so scared to answer the damn door. And it's not like it's late at night either. No, but I was literally like, I was so scared. Like, oh my gosh, like that. Okay. And still a work in progress here. Like I'm still working. I'm not saying that I'm perfect. However, I feel like how I am able to stay an individual is by pursuing certain creative outlets, pursuing fitness stuff like on my own Mm -hmm. and doing things by myself. And I see that. And I, I love that you have things that are yours. Yeah. Like, I love that I have things that are mine. I'm an only child, so I'm very, very, like, particular. Like, this is mine. Yeah. Don't touch it. I'll put things in specific places, and it, like, belongs to me. Almost yeah. like food or a book. It's a mm-hmm. weird thing. And I I think I've gotten better about that with us living together. Yeah. But having things like jujitsu and comedy where we are not interacting at all yeah. is so healthy. Because then we have stuff to talk about with each other. Oh, my gosh. Like, there was literally a point where it's like we didn't even know what to talk about with each other because we had talked about everything, done everything. Like, Mm -hmm. we had to come to the table with, like, oh, this is what I did today. And this was interesting. Like, yeah, exactly. I also think us working from home together during that period of time, oh, my gosh, that was was scary. I know I'm not the most fun person to hang with 24-7. Like, I love myself, but even I get annoyed with myself. Yeah. So I can only imagine, like, 24 hours a day, it's you and me all the time. Same conversation. Like, you know all my bits, you know? <laughs> yes. You're not, you're not getting surprised by yeah, anything. Yeah, it's, predi- it's predictable. And that predictability, I feel like, is poisonous because it makes a relationship stagnate. Mm-hmm. And that's where people start questioning and they're like, should I even be in this? Yeah. You know, we've had that conversation previously where it's like, should we do this what are we doing here yeah and it was realizing like we were growing so strong together that our individuality was kind of weakening yeah a little bit and i feel like we have this really healthy balance now and we get to do a podcast together exactly yeah Yeah. another thing i want to touch on individuality is i think what we've done really good at especially with our friends to the point where (laughs) i think some people are like are you guys even together yeah but I feel like we've done a really good job about being individual friends to our friends. I don't know if that just made sense. Yeah. About being, wait, what am I trying to say? About being, about having individual friendships. Mm -hmm. Like you have, I'm friends with your friends, but you have your friends. Yes. And you're friends with my friends, but I have my friends. And then we have friends that are together and, you know, they're, they're but we have individual relationships with them. Like, I think that's where, like, I'm okay being alone in a room with, like, Kevin, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, because we have developed an individual friendship. Right. And it's not like when our friends come hang out with us where it's like we're specifically an item together where they feel like they have to talk to both of us. It's like, no, I can go, I can go hang out with them individually. You can go hang out with them individually because we've developed that type of friendship. Does that make sense? Yes. I think it's also a sign of maturity and security within the relationship. But we've had that since the beginning. Well, it's making sure they don't feel like a third wheel. Right. Okay. That's exactly what I was looking for. Like that's, (laughs) I have been in a relationship previously where it's like, oh, I made my friends feel like the third wheel. And 
the feedback that you get from your friends when that happens sucks. Yeah. You're like, oh man, you are totally right. Right. And then they're looking at you like you're pussy whipped and you know, you only care about her, bro. Yeah. And it's, it's not good. No. It's not good for your friendships. It's not good for your relationship. But that's also effort. Like I had to put in effort with your friends. You had to put in effort with my friends to get to know them on an individual level Mm -hmm. to develop that relationship. Like if I, if I didn't ask my own questions and like, you know, take a vested interest. Yeah. Take a vested interest in your friends. Like I, I wouldn't have that type of relationship, but it's like, I wanted to do that because I don't want people to hate hanging out with us. I want people to love hanging out with us because they feel like, Oh, I'm going to hang out with my friends. Not like, Oh, I'm, I'm third wheeling. Right. Exactly. Mike and his girlfriend are Kenzie and her boyfriend. Like I want it to feel like we're all hanging out as a group Mm -hmm. together. There is something with that, that, it's toting this weird line because we've been in a few social circumstances where people don't recognize that we're actually together. And that bothers me. Like it really does. It gets <laughs> right under my skin where they're like, are they even dating? Like I don't like public displays of intimacy like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be all over you in the club. I'm not trying to be all over you in general. I want you to be free and go live your life <laughs> as long as you come home with me. You know, you're, you're my lady. You better yeah. come with me. But yeah, I don't need to advertise to the world like on top of you. Look, everybody. That, right. It feels over the top and unnecessary. Yeah. I think public display of affection for me, like when I see it with other people, it makes me uncomfortable. And I don't know what that says about me. I don't know like what the underlying, um, what the underlining reason for that is, but I just feel uncomfortable when that happens, like when other people are doing it. And it's like, it's cool. No, like I want you to like love and kiss your partner. I think when it's so over the top touchy where I'm like, is that really necessary right now? Like we're all just hanging out here. Like why do you have to be like all over him or all over her? Like I just, I I think it's. It's like, are you guys about to have sex? Yes. That like to the point where I'm like, are you horny right now? Because now I want to leave the room. (laughs) Like I'm uncomfortable. Am I intruding? Yeah. (laughs) Like it just, I don't know that, that part for me, I'm like, it's just so unnecessary. And also like, I want to hang out with you. Like as, again, as individuals, like I think there's, I don't want to, I don't want to feel like, yeah, like I'm intruding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just something I wanted to mention because it is a weird fine line that I feel like we've strayed so far away from public displays of affection Yeah, that people do have that question sometimes if we're going out to a club. I don't necessarily feel like I need to always show that Mm -hmm. in order to express my love to you. Like, I know that I love you. You know that you love me. And like, if... Like, I don't want to have to, like, make out with you. Like, I think the, like, I don't, don't, like, no, no, no. I, okay, whoa. I I don't, I don't feel the need to, like, make out with you to show other people that we're together. I think it's more of, like, when we show public display to each other, it's for each other. Yeah. Like, it's not for, it's not a show for other people. It's It's not performative. Exactly. And I think that's where, like, you know, holding each other's hands. Like, that's something that's super sweet, really simple. And that means a lot to you. Like physical touch is, you know, means a lot to you. So it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to do that to show you like, Hey, I love you. And I want you to know that, Mm -hmm. but it's not like, I'm going to hold hands to like show the world we're together. Like, no, I don't, I don't need, I don't care. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Truly. I think it has bothered you more than it has bothered me. It's just like, I don't care. I I also think us doing this is 
the virtual version of holding hands and going, look, world, we're together. <laughs> we're <laughs> working us. together. Yeah. Even so. though, yeah. But I think to, to kind of end this, just because this has been, what an episode. I mean, a lot of ups and downs and roller coasters. Just <laughs> of, like a relationship. Words. But I think making it work, especially at, at our age, I'm really proud of us for sticking with each other, for committing because I feel like especially the dating culture that is happening where it's so, you know, it really the dating apps I think are encouraging more hookup culture than long-term relationships. And I think there needs to be a shift of commitment. I think that there is just a lack of commitment happening left and right. And it's, it's like you can swipe right, have sex immediately, instant gratification. But it's like everyone – when I hear the people like, I want to be in a relationship. I want to, I'm like, there's a lot of fucking work that goes into a relationship. Like it's not just all roses and butterflies and rainbows and like sex. Like if you think that just being in a relationship, you're just having mad sex all the time. Like, do I have news for you? Like, yeah, I just, I, I, I don't know. That was just like such a tangent (laughs) moment for me, but I feel like there's so much work that goes into it and I think that's like the beautiful part of being in a long-term and committed relationship where it's like you want to be with that person like that's that's a concept in it of itself it's and if, rewarding it, yeah and it, it, it is rewarding but like commitment is a fucking concept mm-hmm. and if you are already not that kind of person then a long-term relationship might not be for you honestly if you are not ready to commit and you think about cheating already and you're not even in the relationship, maybe you shouldn't be in one. Maybe you still got to work on yourself because being in a relationship, that means like you're you're not cheating. It's for us it's not open. Mm-hmm. Like it is very It's very close. It's very it's very close. It's very like we have I'm choosing you because I want to be with you. Yep. And right back at you. Somebody wants to be in a relationship they have to do a lot of like personal inventory on what matters to them, what their boundaries are, what their values are, so that they know what they're looking for. Because in this hookup culture that you mentioned with all the dating apps and just how fast society is going, yeah, you really do have to slow down and figure out what you want and set some standards. I think that's the ultimate thing that people need because there seems to be an erosion of standards. Every day, the bar falls lower. Yeah. I also wanted to say one more thing. Yeah, go for it. We're making good points in my opinion. Because I also feel like when we we just spent time with each other at the spa. We went to the spa. We had a little date night. And we were playing this card game, this conversation card game for couples. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions was, do do you think I have the potential to cheat on you? Are you capable of cheating? Are you capable of cheating? You had asked that question to me from the card. And my immediately my immediate thought is like, yeah, yeah, you're capable of cheating. I'm also capable of cheating, but that's commitment. Like we're choosing each other and we're choosing not to cheat on each other. Mm-hmm. And I think with the with the dating apps and like the instant gratification and oh, like I had one I had one dinner with this guy and it was really awkward and like I so I'm not gonna choose him anymore, like the red flags 
you know, or yellow flags. I'm going to call them yellow flags. Like you go on a date and you have like yellow flags with someone. And instead of pursuing another date to kind of work through that, because maybe that is, maybe that, maybe that person is actually a great person. They said like one thing, one wrong thing, or maybe it was like awkward for, you know, five seconds, but that's all you can remember. And you're like, oh, I can just go back on the dating app and swipe right and like find some other hot dude or find another person. It's like. He's actually on his way in 20 minutes. Right. It's just like. Oh my gosh. We're interrupting this interruption with a very important request. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a like and hit that subscribe button so you never miss out. Now let's get back to the show. I think that everybody thinks, oh, the grass is greener on the other side. Mm. And I don't think that's always true because what what you may be lacking in this relationship, you might find in another relationship. But then there's going to always be things that are lacking in that relationship. And if you're never satisfied because you're never willing to work on something, then you're just going to be in this constant state of dating Mm. and this constant state of not being satisfied. And I'm no like I'm not a relationship expert, but I also think like you being satisfied comes from yourself too. 100 like being comfortable with yourself, being confident with what you're doing and then figuring out like what do I want that other person to add to my life? What can we be, how can we be valuable to each other? I think that's a great way to end on it. Cause yeah, I, I think that sacrifice in a relationship feels scary for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But if you're willing to work on it because it is worth something to you, then you have to commit. Mm-hmm. You have to be worthy of that ideal person. Like as high of a standard as you set for others you need to hold yourself to a very high standard so that other people are actually attracted to that Mm -hmm. and I think I hear some of my friends talk about the highest of high standards that they have but I see how they live Mm -hmm. and I'm like you got to raise your own personal standards before you can expect that of somebody else otherwise you will never find a gratifying relationship yeah so that's why fours are going after tens (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. All right. Well, shall we go get some Valentine's Day dinner? (laughs) Let's make some chocolate-covered strawberries. I like your thinking. Okay. I love you. I love you, too.